Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, MrDiceGuy.com, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. I'm Ian. And on this episode, we'll be talking about what we've been thinking, doing, and playing board games. And Ryan, we have a, we have a special guest. Oh my gosh, we got a special guest, Norm. <gasps> the new phone books are here. <laughs> we Norm, have... Uh, who do we have? We, we have uh, Patrick Kelly. Um, the, uh, and I'm, I'm going out on the conjecture limb here. One of the sure. original founders of Blue Peg, I Blue am, Peg. I am one of the founders. It is, it is so much nicer here than, uh, I, I had a hard time getting into the country. I want to be real clear. Um, so smuggled him in, in know, a hockey bag. So exactly, exactly. And I have several of those. So as you may expect, because I've been smuggled in, in a hockey bag, my sense of smell is destroyed for the rest of time. Uh, because there is no smell fouler than the inside of a young man's hockey bag. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories, amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. Welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. We're going straight into doing, thinking, playing. And as we mentioned in the beginning, we have, uh, uh, during this episode, we have with us Patrick Kelly. So Patrick, um, uh, you jump in where you want to jump in. You um, interject where you want to interject. There, you don't want that. There, you don't want that. There's our nobody. Put, put, put a leash on this guy. It's sandbox, baby. We've already been sitting here for an hour, guys. And oh, we, no. we finally just started recording. <laughs> this is a true statement. Uh, we're on set our what eighth tangent by the time I said we have to hit that at least the hit the record button. Sure. Um uh Brian, I've got uh, I've got you going first because got me before, going first. I used to just flinch until I decided to just pick somebody on the script. So you're going first, Ryan. Cool. Sure. I'm 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 jumping off of where we left off on the last episode. Um I reviewed Targi. Yay. From uh, from Cosmos there, and so we finally just got it in at Amazing Stories. Finally got in Targi the expansion, and oh my goodness, it's a it's a delight. Uh, like what, what what okay Targi the expansion designed by Andreas Steger, put put out by Cosmos here. What does it what does it do? What's the expansion got? Um, it's got a new deck of tribe cards. So if you are familiar with Targi, you listened to the last episode, you listened to me rant and rave about it. Best two-player game of all time, by the way. That's number one, yeah, my favorite two-player game, period. Ryan's two, full stop. Yep, that's ours. It's fantastic. It um, so new new tribe cards. We got some new goods. Um, there's a whole new different deck of cards called the Sand Dunes. 
um, some new border cards to represent to replace oh. um, the, the, the other border cards, kind of like clean some things up and change a few things. I, I, I could talk, I can rant and rave. I could probably do a whole nother review about this in, in, in the future. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a wow. It's a just wow expansion for us. Um, is it essential? Would you say? I mean, if if you're a Targi fan, get it. Like it's it's to be had. So so like I have on my here Jen, my wife, who this is one of her favorite games of all time. She's just like, you know, you can just throw out all that other junk, and we're only just going to play with just the expansion <laughs> nowadays. She so like, did you listen? Are well, all your games we, gone now? No, well, no, it's <laughs> it's just been bagged. It's a theoretical <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> didn't actually mean get rid of the other ones. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a monster, <laughs> but it, 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 it's. But it's just so neat and how they just did these. Just these little changes, like you never would have thought of, just doing some little changes, like introducing like another, another type of good, like water, and then that water has certain exchange rates. Like you can actually now acquire gold, a slightly oh, okay. a little bit more easy. You can acquire gold a little bit easier. That was um, a passive aggressive fist fight to get to that gold in that game. But but on but on that note, there's like other opportunities to get gold now too, and some different conversion rates for some of the goods on those border cards. So you just got like these new strategies that can come about because some of those old things that you were so used to kind of changed a little bit uh, mm-hmm. inside the expansion here. Um, but what really kind of was cool of the expansion is these sand dunes which is like a whole nother row. It's not connected to the border. You can send your Targi over there for like these super game-breaking effects um, at the cost of like You're not going to create one of, one of those intersection points if you put your Targi over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like there's some really cool things like get like a buttload of resources or um, play, with the interact, play with the interaction with all the other types of border cards or your other, the other player. I, I don't know. I, 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 I love it. <laughs> That's great. If you have, if you have Targi, you're a fan of Targi. If you have a, if, if you can find it available, which it now is in North America distribution, widely available now, um, get on it. Well, I will say, Ryan, after last time, I did put it on my maybe possibly look at maybe one day buying list. So, <laughs> which is a which is a huge commitment from you. It is. Oh my gosh, that if, if it got if, so if it's got Ian's brain thinking about hey i think i might need to buy it okay everybody else go buy it because it must be that good if ian's thinking about actually yeah. getting a physical copy of it yeah i'll probably get the expansion and i want to be like you ian i have bought two games in the last three years uh isn't that crazy uh and, and largely because I'm not trying to brag but i didn't have to buy games um <laughs> but um but I mean, I was still getting lots of games, just I wasn't buying them. But I sort of had decided that like my collection is great and I really like it and I wasn't going to add to it. So I haven't bought anything. I bought Barrage and then I bought, I recently bought Mariposas and that was a mistake. Um, <laughs> that was not, that was not worth a buy, but in any event, uh, but I'm like you, man. And I think I might buy this expansion. As a matter of fact, I'm, 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 I'm going to buy it. Cool. So, that was, so, so that, that was, that was my little bit about Targi, the Targi. expansions. Um, highly recommend. Go get it. Yep. No one, no one ever took me up on my offer. Told me what's wrong with the original game Targi. I challenged listeners to say, if there's something wrong with this game, please let me know. No one. There isn't. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. It's it is the it is the rare perfect game. It really really is. It's yeah. sweet. It's awesome. It's awesome. 
Cool. Ian, what do you, uh, what do you, I, I see a few options for you on your, uh, on your. Okay. Well, I think Ryan wants of... me to actually bring up some news. He wants me to bring up a news talk. <laughs> so, cause I, I saw this and I was very interested. So there's an expansion coming out for to Tobago. Patrick, have you played Tobago? Or are you a, or is it Tobago? I, I don't know. Um, I, I will pronounce it and I don't really care how I'll say Tobago. You say Tobago. Um, and, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think I have played it, but I will confess to not remembering it. Is it the one with uh with a bunch of like it's it's a abstract game, right? Yeah, it's it's like um you're building this treasure map together on this on this island, and you're trying to figure out where's the final location, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you try to all race and get the treasure there. So it's like you're you're whittling things down, and it's like a deduction, I guess you'd call it. Right. Right. You're trying to narrow down the, the final spot. But this is a game that came out like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. is their first expansion 10 years <laughs> after the fact. And so I found that was really interesting. Yeah, so what's, well, what's, you know. it, what's it bringing? So it looks like it's adding a volcano that you throw. like a. It's like a full 3D cool-looking volcano. I would say set it up, throw in some uh, baking soda and vinegar in there, and you got a great experience. <laughs> <laughs> and then it'll like gradually cause lava flows to happen. Oh, I'm checking so, the pictures out. It's like, uh, yeah, you could get into trouble with this one. Yeah. And so it looks like it'll change the game because it's actually change, constantly changing the board state, which could be interesting. Sure. It might sure. be a bit too much. I don't know. Well, Maybe it, it's a, it looks like the, the volcano itself takes up seven hex spaces. And from what I remember playing that game, that's a significant... Um, chunk of real estate on that board right. yeah, and of is. course there's i see a whole bunch of lava flow tiles so yeah yeah now i did my research and uh tobago doesn't really have volcanoes oh. they have something <laughs> called mud volcanoes which don't cause lava which don't produce lava at all it's just like mud so well, way, way to burst my bubble then sorry yeah <laughs> So this yeah, is a, oh, well, that explains why it's been 10 years between uh, it's a it's a Rio Grande game. They don't they don't they don't they, they take their time with everything. <laughs> they don't. They really don't like there's games that they've been promising reprints for like Puerto Rico. They recently redid some stuff on and it's been like years in the making. Uh, so, yeah, that makes sense. That sounds about right. 10 years. So we'll have another expansion in another 15 years. It's a yeah. it's yeah it's on par for their batting averages. What you're trying to, uh, oh, you're yeah, trying to say? Sure. Yeah, it's about right. Cool. No, it looks it looks. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it was it was surprising, Ian, when it when it when I, when I saw it pop up in the news. I'm like, huh, that was a game that I was not even thinking needed. Actually, needed an expansion. Yeah. It's actually pretty pretty good the way it is. Right, and I'm just kind of reading through the how it works. Like it has it it'll change something with the cards you put down. It might it might convolute the game too much. I don't. That's just on a cursory glance, but we'll find out, I guess, because I'll probably buy it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a pretty cool looking volcano. I gotta agree. You could you could absolutely put your 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 you could put your uh baking soda and your vinegar in there. I think it will do it'll do the job. A little thicken it up with a little, you know, uh corn syrup. I'm thinking yeah. a little bit of electrified pyrotechnics. Yeah. Get it going. Oh, a little switch. Oh yeah, absolutely. See, and that's what got me. It's got me in Tobago. trouble as a youth. Yeah. 
So if you're a yeah, fan of Tobago from 10 years ago, check out this ex- new expansion. Yeah, I'm looking at it now, and I do remember it. And it's a cool little game. It's a fun game. It's probably one of my favorite deduction games. I like it a lot better than Treasure Island. Yeah, I remember Ryan teaching this to me, and and the the Easter Island heads spinning and turning. I thought yeah, that yeah. was such a cool uh, and the modular board. It was it was the first time I saw this yeah. kind of production triangular yeah. kind of modular board. Yeah, cool. To, Tobago, Tobago. Let's call the whole thing off. Let's mm-hmm. let's just blow up the whole volcano. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little moment here and talk about some dexterity fun. Um, uh, yeah. Yay! So my son and I, Daniel, who's 15, um, Daniel with his dexterity has turned into such a good gamer that um, uh, um, I have so much fun showing him any kind of dexterity game that I can find. And Crokinole, let's uh, I think it's 18. I think one of our oldest reviewed games on the, uh, uh, here we go. It's Canadian. Oh yeah. It's Ontario. You did, you did a long, you did a long view episode. Yeah. I did a long, Crokinole. a long time ago. That's what kind of got us all addicted on this whole content mm-hmm. creation thing. But so Daniel, and I play Crokinole, um, uh, with the understanding mm-hmm. that, um, Daniel has uh, down syndrome. So when we play a game, it's sort of like, um, there's, we're making rules up as we go. Right. Or sure, I'll, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll pare it down for him. So, for right, Crokinole, right. it was basically just try to take each other out. And um, oh man, what a sharpshooter! Like, like uh, if for to explain to people who've never heard of Crokinole, first of all, shame on you if you've never heard of Crokinole. Yeah, you need to remedy that now. I had to throw that one in there. Oh, I can't wait! I got the 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 Mayfair uh, Kickstarter board coming. Um, uh, I got a little uh, little ID saying it's in shipment now. And yep. They're a good. It's a good board. It's a really. It's a solid board. It'll last you for the rest of your life. Like it's. It's. It'll be your crokinole board for the rest of your day. You'll pass it down. I did my stint as a shop teacher, so I made my own. But it's like, nah, I got to get that highly polished, you know, professionally made one. Um, nice. But for those who don't know, it's the idea of taking a dartboard and putting it on what looks like a curling rink sheet of ice, and then taking that curling rink sheet of ice and then swishing it down into a tabletop version where, where you're flicking little discs with your fingers from the edge into um, a center. And, uh, and the general rule for Crokinole is, and, and I mean, growing up, um, I mean, we could get into the, the professional <laughs> rule set, but Crokinole for, yeah, the metaphor. But for me, Crokinole was one of those games you just grew up with that it was sort of like, I got nothing to do. Let's just, you know, flick some crokinole until we find something to do, right? It was just a perfect kind of when people play cribbage, we, yep, you know, yep. do crokinole kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, so um, uh, we went from crokinole and immediately he remembered one of his new favorite ones, tumble and dice. And mm. uh, I love that one with Daniel because um, we, I, again, throw the rules out because um, being a teacher, I'm going to uh, look at my, uh, look at my son and go, how can I use this? to you know get the creativity get the brain going right, so right. we make stuff up and and with the scoring and tumbling dice i mean the lower you go the more difficult the shot and then the where the dice pip lies you do the multiplier for points but for daniel and i we just kind of do it uh battle zones and we just do the math and we take care of it that way and have fun with the math and and um i i'm i'm humbled to say that yet again he wipes me off the board with this one <laughs> yeah and of course, I get the old tap on the shoulder. It's okay, Dad. You keep trying. And it's like, okay, yeah, I love you, and you suck at the same time. <laughs> That's awesome. That game is is a is another like like you'll buy. It's expensive, right? Like you're gonna spend good money on it. 
but you'll keep it forever. It's it's a game that will always it's it can be omnipresent and and always sit around. Crokinole is is you you define Crokinole perfectly a game that uh, just is always present and just like when you have downtime, like even when you're not with anybody, like you know you're sitting. I'm at home alone and I'll just kind of you know puts around with it, try to make hard shots and try to set stuff up. I love that game. I love it. The um, uh, again with the with my family, um, when we sit down, we it's like it's not like a the high noon Western kind of, uh, kind of thing. And, <laughs> you know, on the main street where we sit down, we look at each other and it's just that look like are we just playing for fun or is it one cheek rules? And for those who don't <laughs> know, um, uh, one cheek means you can't move your chair. You can't touch the board and, and all you, you have to have at least one cheek sitting on that chair for you to make that shot. And when, when that declaration is made, it's like, we're going to go one cheek. It's like, okay, drop the gloves. Shake it out. Let's play some Crokinole. Oh yeah, yeah. Whenever we do our bi- whenever we do our big gathering of friends, we always uh, do a Crokinole tournament, uh, and it's it's you know like it's you know a lot of we do the big RobCon and uh, and we'll always play Crokinole throughout the entire week. So you know you get if you whenever you two people are free when they're not playing a game and they've got their heat is coming up, then they'll play against each other and. It's fun. Uh, the last one we did, Isaac and I were playing against each other, and uh, both of us, like, we both wanted to be, like, we're like, I- I'm done with this. I want to go play another game. But we, we, neither of us would, like, give up on it. We, we had to win. So, like, it, was, it went on and on until every game that was going on at the time stopped. And we just kept going and going and going. And it was hilarious. It was great. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. And welcome back to Cardboard Conjecture. We're going into topics of interest and I am so fired up for this one because it's sort of like um, having the opportunity to have a friend that I've listened to for so long sit in and uh, have some coffee talk. Um, so we are going into the art of the review, and um, I'm going to start off this whole concept of the art of the review by, I, I did a mashup um, of a definition by bringing in a, like book reviews, movie reviews, like anything that had a review, the definition to it, I, I consolidated it. And I'll throw this out there and we can use this as a discussion point as we start. So a review is a brief critical evaluation of a text, event, object, or phenomenon. I've got the... Muppets thing yep. going on in my head now. A review makes an argument and it is also a commentary and not merely a summary. You offer agreement and or disagreement and identify where you find the work exemplary or deficient. You clearly state your opinions as a thesis statement, support uh, supporting concepts and conclusions. That is the easiest kind of, let's start there with the framework of, for it's gonna talk about the art of review Let's make a context. So in agreement, did I miss anything? Does this kind of... No, no, actually, that actually seems pretty okay. 
No, I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, so the, um, the first thing, um, get our guests to uh, give us some insight, because what prompted me um, to uh, come up with this idea was listening to you uh, do a, a sit-in uh, moment on Blue Peg, Pink Peg, and you talked about your um, 60 reviews in 60 minutes. 30 reviews. 30 reviews in 60 minutes. Yeah, 30 and 60. I tried. I tried. I did try 30 and 30 or 60 and 60, but it became too hard. Like I could not get to the thesis quickly. I'm writ I've written many of these, most of these. I couldn't get to the thesis quickly enough. So I had to give myself two minutes um, to do it. Uh, I, I will try. It's kind of that classic sort of notion. I wish I could have written you a, uh, wish I had more time. I would have written you a shorter letter, um, you know, kind of idea, but I just can't get it edited down enough to get to that precise. So 30 and 60 is the best I'm able to do so far. And that's what I love the title of our podcast because conjecture opinions, <laughs> formed on the basis of incomplete information. It could sure, have been just sure. here's, I mean, I could have just like made it up. I don't know, <laughs> but so, um, uh, like I, let's get, I want to get, I spent some time on this beautiful intro that I've already butchered. So one of the founders and former host of blue peg, pig peg, now vagabond and Viscount in the board game periphery, Elvis type sightings at BPP headquarters and blade gaming. Got to get a pump out to blade. Um, I think there's a background in improv theater. If I recall correctly, listening That's to right, all right. my episodes, so you're so, so with that improv, you're always stuck for something to say from what <laughs> yep, I understand. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and as a career as a lawyer, um, uh, there's that idea, but I don't know if that makes you a rules lawyer because Ryan has a lot of rules lawyer stories from his groups and uh, you're currently crafting 30 reviews in 60 minutes. Yep. Yep. See, I take good director notes. All right. Well, and I, I saw that it should say, it said 60-60 in the thing, and I thought it would add for an interesting conversation to talk about the challenge, because I did try to do that, the challenge of trying to, to whittle that down. Now, now was there a, like a range? Because in my head, I'm thinking, there's some games where you be, say the game and go, it's like Ryan, what was it, the family guy? What the family guy thing. This is garbage. Yeah. 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 Well, I wanted, to, I wanted to talk only, I only want want to talk about games where I'm actually commenting upon the substance. It's not just, this is a piece of garbage. Don't even bother with it. Like that's not, they're, they're all, every game that I'm reviewing is a exemplary game. And I want to, uh, I, I, so I'm not our, our, um, a, a notorious game, at least, um, a, a game of renown. And, um, and I want to kind of encapsulate sort of what, makes that game unique or why that game is a remarkable sort of contribution to your game library is kind of the idea that I've put together. Um, you know, so I include things like Agricola, uh, you know, some, some games that people know a lot about, you know, it's not a, an unknown quantity, but it's still something that I think deserves a, you know, to, to, to explore, like in that review, if my recollection serves, you know, I talk about how the occupations and the action selection innovated and why that's an important sort of development and what that adds to sort of the entirety of the hobby. You know, how has that changed the form a little bit? Um, so that's kind of where I came at from those, you know, and, and enough to kind of give people a sense of what makes the game unique and how is that unique feature uh, sort of how is that experience brought forward to a player in a way that 
is uh, evocative and creates a interesting experiential sort of encounter. And already I'm hooked because you've just basically completed that first part as your thesis statement. I mean, that was, you explained the purpose and the reason of, of this ensemble of review. So yeah, yeah. Cause I keep saying to Ryan, it's like for us, at least we're going to, and we always say we're going to review stuff that we like because these are games from our own collection. So sure. Yeah. And, and this always, I mean, we, we review as we got further into it, we reviewed a lot more stuff that we, didn't necessarily like because we had obligations to review things, but um, but we've always kind of centered upon reviewing things that we enjoy. Like it doesn't make sense to like someone bashing a piece of material is not interesting. Now that said, when we talk about some of our favorite reviewers, some of my favorite reviewers in other genres have written some of the most scathing reviews, and I love them. Um, but, but anyways. I looked at your notes and I was like, oh yeah. So I had to actually look some stuff up and I quickly read and I was like, whoa, this is, yeah, this is biting. This has got some teeth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so uh, let's just quickly do around the horn here. Um, in one concise thought, um, what's your, uh, starting with you, Patrick, what, what oh, makes a, a review good or great? Uh, what makes a review good or great? Uh, it gives, it gives context of, well, it gives context of what the why the experience is unique and enjoyable in the in the context of a board game. You know, reviews writ large, it's it's different. But in the context of a board game, what makes a review great is it produce it it gives me a sense of why my experience is going to be unique and gratifying. Cool, Ian. What's your uh, what's your one take? I think one of the cool things about reviews is just being able to see things from a different perspective. Some maybe there's something about it that you didn't think about and somebody else saying their thoughts gives you that. Cool. Right. Yeah. Dang it. I want to, I want to take Ian's answer because that's exactly what I was thinking. It was, it's the, uh, the varied opinions. You always get, you always get such a wide range and that's what I'm always looking for is the opinion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of, of what, of what people, what, what did, what did people think about it when they were playing it? Yeah. If we're talking about the board game t- context. Yeah. For me, I would say um, clarity. Even even if it's even if you're dumping on something that I originally liked, as long as you're clear as as where you're coming from and why you're coming from, I'll be okay with it. We've got experience, we've got perception, we've got we've got the elements, and we've got clarity. So I think we just both all of us kind of hit it with a round roundabout approach. This is going to be interesting. Um, the next point. Or the next thing I thought we'd throw around is uh, examples of good reviewers or review shows, you know, stuff that you consumed as you grew up. And um, uh, uh, Patrick, of course, start to you because I, I want to oh, okay. hear about some of these ones. Well, so some of the reviewers that I've really, really been drawn to in my sort of various phases, not regarding uh, play reviews. First of all, Harold Bloom. Um, he wrote a lot of significant uh, pieces of work. Probably his most significant kind of contribution is uh, it's, it's the Western Canon. He, he wrote a, he wrote a large thesis. I think it's refer- called the Western Canon. Yeah, the Western Canon, where he talks about sort of what created uh, how did how did art sort of evolve and how did various artistic expressions sort of grow over time. And he approached it from a critical point of view. And uh, he's also written a lot of, uh, he's written a lot on Shakespeare. He's probably my favorite uh, Shakespearean scholar slash commentator. Um, he wrote a book 
I don't know, maybe a couple of decades ago that was uh, was very wonderful, a, a kind of a complete analysis of all of Shakespeare's work called uh, Shakespeare, the Invention of the Human. Um, and uh, and he's just a, a spectacular writer. Uh, and he writes a lot on lots of other things. He wrote uh, on discovery. He wrote a book on uh, creation called The Creators. He's just a really great theorist. And he has this principal thesis that all creation is a bad imitation. What he means by that is, is that when we create art, we're always looking at what came before. And we utilize our prior models in order to inform our own creation. And when we start echoing that in ways that don't reflect the thing that we're trying to draw from, that's where we start creating art. That's where we start creating innovation. And I think, and we can talk about this in the context of board games, I think board games does that precisely. I think that's exactly how good board game design works. So that's one of my people. And then uh, Makiko, I think it's uh, Kakotani, I think is how her name is pronounced. She's a she's won a, a, a Pulitzer in, in criticism. Um, and she was, I think she worked for the Times, but she's a literary critic and she is she has the most vivid language of any critic I've ever read. She writes her her criticism is poetry. She uses these analogies and that are just so perfectly encapsulate the experience of what she's assessing and she is scathing when she doesn't like something she rips it to the bone um but but it, it, she's just brilliant she's a brilliant writer same thing when i read malcolm gladwell like when you mentioned yeah of the, yeah yeah so yeah. oh i, yeah. I those are awesome examples i'd never even thought to go like that deep into the the literary side of it yeah well, and I mean, it's just it just the the reviewers that very much inform my philosophy, and we'll talk about that later. But my philosophy about how I approach a review, uh, because you know, Northrop Fry, we'll talk about that later, is the guy that informed Harold Bloom and to some degree uh, Kukatani and and uh, Kakatani. I don't know how it's pronounced, but anyways, um, and we'll talk about that later. But but those are sort of the the philosophies that inform my critical sort of eye. Right on, cool, Ian. What are some uh, what are some reviewers okay. that have honed you? Well, I'm going to start off a little odd, but here we go. So, when there's celebrity deaths, right? I'm I'm usually unfazed. I don't know if that makes me a cold person or what, <laughs> but if I hear a celebrity died, I'm like, okay, well, I, it's not like I knew them personally, and I kind of just take it in a piece of news and move on. But there is one massive exception to this. And that's when I heard that Roger Ebert passed away because he meant, I know he's like, when you think of reviewers, he's like the top name. It's not really an sure. original pick, but he meant so much to me because aside from board games, movies are like my big love. Like I am a massive movie fan. And a lot of that came from his reviews from Siskel and Ebert and from his uh, newspaper reviews because he does an amazing job of seeing things in movies that you wouldn't otherwise pick out. He's, he does a really good job of kind of making you see it through a specific lens. And one of his big quotes is that movies are, I can't remember the exact wording, but movies are machines that create sympathy, right? Or empathy yeah. actually is the word he used. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he was able to kind of, 
narrowed down these movies into in that lens and his writing his reviews writing is amazing because you'll read it and you'll be like i watched this movie three times and i never saw that in it mm-hmm. he he's just had a great gift for that but you felt it. That's the thing that was so remarkable about his reviews is that he hit exactly what you were feeling and he was able to articulate it in a way that you could that that resonated with you immediately, but yet seemed foreign to you because you had been able to put your finger on it as precisely as he had. That's right. So, but they had a mission too. It was to yeah. expose people to as much like why they love the movies and why everybody else should. And they did a great job of that. They you talk know. about old movies and I'd be like hey, these old movies probably have something to them, right? This episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge right here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escape's escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun than to play games. Ryan, are you going to fess up? Uh, you're, you're really going to make me say it on the air? <laughs> everybody, everybody can see my notes. Admit well, I your the, guilt. I, I, I guess the listeners can't see the see no. the notes. So, uh, so Norm was came in and talked to me about <laughs> the uh, the show notes one day in my classroom, and, he's, and I said I have nothing to contribute here. He's like, well, why? I'm like, okay, I know. He's like, you don't you don't know of Roger Ebert? I'm like, no, I know of Siskel and Ebert, and I and I know of different reviewers like video games and music and everything. I said. I just never paid attention in in my youth. I never really paid attention to what people thought or people telling me what I should think about things. And I I, I don't know. I don't even know what the, how the, how to express it. An egocentered teenager. Probably, probably. (laughs) Well, I mean, or, or or you could, you are, you could say that he was a self-directed. He didn't need to be told his experience was his own. And so he was an authentic, he lived authentically within his own experience. Patrick Naylor is like, I, I just discovered things. And I said, I don't care if people think that this is absolute hot garbage or this new pop punk movements that that's moving in. It's not real eighties, hardcore punk. No, I like that stuff. No, don't tell me that it's, garbage or something like that and i'm I'm gonna enjoy it and if other people enjoy it too good for them i'm not going to be one to persuade one another and of course now i enter this a stage of my life and i'm constantly consuming board game review media and i'm like oh i'm really patient and i'm like what happened to my former self i don't know like maybe you're right norm maybe i was like the the, the punk teenager being a hipster before hipsters were a thing and (laughs) (laughs) well and i mean as a profession we're all into the the jobs of uh analysis assessment and review with you know student work and so on and so forth so you know maybe it was a logical fit yeah like uh, i I, I you came out late in your life man sure as, as long as as long as long as it's important now yeah, that's 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 okay. So yeah. I, I do. So I didn't really pay, but like I said, I I knew I knew of all of these other things. When you when you challenged me, so I I had to go back and I, there there was a magazine that I used to read, and I don't know if it still exists anymore. Um, it was called Revolver, and they focused oh, yeah. on they, they focused sure. on like heavy heavy metal. Yep. Yeah, yeah. 
heavy metal music and everything, I would have kind of sometimes pay attention to see like, what are, what are they talking about? Like what's being talked about? Yeah. Not really pay attention to what they were actually saying. But like accounts uh, remember, of concerts and so, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember Revolver Magazine being, uh, being something that, that I would, that I would consume and that I think my parents even ended up getting me a subscription for Christmas one year or something <laughs> like that. And, <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Um, uh, I, uh, in university, I had my, my uh, stint, um, uh, a minor in drama. And um, so, of course, being part of that community, you're always working in theater. And I, uh, I learned that uh, I, I was able to make more money um, being on the technical side rather than on the stage side. So um, I, but I was always, um, I think what appealed to me in, in that, that community was um, the analysis of character like where do these th these actors are artists and their their tools are their experience their emotion the f their physicalness and uh the actor so, prepares as it oh, were yeah so i was i was immediately because and i love my pbs so um i was drawn to inside the actor's studio with james lipton because i always thought that of a and it wasn't really, to me, an interview show. It, you were just fortunate to have a case study of an actor with them present to answer the questions that we all wanted to ask them. And um, I thought that his um, review structure was, was great because he would always start off with talking about their childhood, right? I mean, if, if the artist is the tool and the experience is their, their uh, uh, you know, what they bring to the craft, then you have to go back and 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 not just talk about their experience but their you know their life experience because it was interesting that a lot of the cases a lot of the kids came from you know parents that split up and 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 um it was always there was always a unique thing going on that lipton would always find out that propelled to the next phase in regards to their professional experience and then they would talk about you know, let's review your early career. And then by the, you get to the end of the episode and you've basically gone through such a wonderful narrative um, experience of a case study with that actor present on the stage. And um, I mean, who wouldn't want to just be able to sit down and listen to De Niro talk about how he, be, how he is, who he is, right? And um, one of my favorite things uh, about that was always at the end, um, with um, his uh, questionnaire, um, which was based okay. on, yeah, which is Bernard Pivot questionnaire that uh, if we have time, I'm going to sneak in some, some uh, <laughs> mutated cardboard conjecture versions of that questionnaire. So for me, that was um, James Lipton was, he, he has the art of the deep dive review for me. So, yeah. Sure. Well, I, I, I was an actor. I don't know if I, I, I got, yeah, I got my my Bachelor of Fine Arts in theater and worked professionally as an actor for a few years. So I was a big fan of his his work and and sort of his examination of the process. It was it was pretty remarkable. Yeah, that's um, and that was to me that was the you said it right there was the process because if you focused on that, the product was predictable. Sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. at least that's my was my inter was my uh, um, uh, interpretation at the time. Sure. So cool. Sure. Um, Let's uh, let's go into like the like the structure of review. We talked about you know define what a review is. We've given some nice examples. Um, Patrick, why don't you lead us through because uh, you referenced a lot of um, uh, um, incredible influences. Um, 
just start leading us through what you think is the basis of a good, uh, like a, a good review. Like I've got the three points here. Um, a review gives the listener a concise summary of the content, uh, offers a critical assessment of the content, and then um, analyzing the work reviews and suggests whether the listener would appreciate the content. Yeah. So for me, so I think that exactly that, that encapsulates it pretty nicely for me. I think of, I've always thought board games are a different type of media, right? They, uh, they are different than other forms of media that we typically criticize. And so I've always kind of thought the archetypal model, uh, again, Northrop Fry sort of pioneered this, um, is sort of the best way to think about sort of reviewing board games because it tells us like it speaks in metaphors. And I think that's what board games ultimately do. They speak in metaphors. They're a metaphor for an experience that we're trying to replicate and that we're trying to sort of get some sense of through a cognitive challenge. And sometimes that challenge is more social and sometimes that challenge is, is physical and sometimes that challenge is purely cognitive. But there's always sort of the story that sort of weaves its way through that. And so I always kind of thought from my point of view when I was reviewing something is how effectively does it facilitate an experience? How effectively does it, it help me um, both feel like I'm engaging in something that relates to the theme in some sort of abstract way, but also how does it facilitate a way for me to interact with ideas and how does it facilitate a way with, for me to interact, interact with other people? So when you kind of think about it on those sort of grounds, that's how I kind of always approach my review is that does it make that process easy and is that process pleasant? Is there something unique or interesting about that process? So it kind of, it, it hits those points, but sort of in a different sort of way. Um, and that, but that's always sort of the way that I've tried to facilitate my review. And we set up our reviews to kind of hit those points in a very specific way. Cool. Um, if you, Ryan and Ian, if at any point, if you guys want to jump in and, and, uh, and piggyback or, you know, offer. Well, I, I like, I like the, I like the fact that I heard, I heard the, that word, we always kind of looking for, or I always read in forums, um, what, 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 what makes certain reviewers, um, relevant or something like that. And it's bringing that uniqueness and what are, what are they trying to do? How, how are they presenting it just a little bit differently? and say the 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 bulk of everything else that is out there like i know that i usually don't do anything very uniquely but uh but that's what some people are always kind of like how how are you going to set yourself apart how do you get people to kind of pay attention to your opinion how are you presenting it maybe in a different what 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 makes your opinion a little bit differently or maybe even more entertaining or something like that um so i i I've already picked up on the the keyword of uniqueness was always it was always kind of in the back of my mind um i want to mention something patrick if you want to um extrapolate on it i've been hearing from uh your responses that there's always experience emotion like this this context of emotional experience this context of of kind of a connected significance and you've never and i and i know this of you because listening to all your all your podcasts but i you don't really ever bring in the idea of competitiveness when you talk about a game 
Yeah, it's not important to me in a game review. I, I find now that's not true for my co-host in the same way that it is for me. Jeremy and I are sort of more in, in now I'm competitive. I don't want to say I'm not pretending that I'm not. Um, they would call me a complete liar if I were to sort of uh, like uh, some sort of Zen Buddha bullcrap. But but uh, no, but I don't think that's what makes a game interesting. What makes a game interesting is the the process that is internal, you know, and 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 sometimes the framing device for that is competition. Right. I want to do better than you and I want to get here faster than you. But what makes that interesting is not me leaning against you it's the the things the ideas that formulate in my own mind in context in response to the challenge of the game right what do i sort of think through and the thing that's gratifying is is the moment of far more gratifying than the end when you win is the moment when you say oh i know if i do this and then i do this i'll get there twice as fast as he will that's the moment that's so exciting. And so I think a game that facilitates that, that lets me have a rich internal experience in concert with others, I mean, it is a social encounter, is really exciting. And I think that is, that's far more interesting to me than the final outcome. If I lose a game and it, the challenge is engaging and I feel like I've learned something and I've developed some interesting ideas, I don't care if I win, you know, so. I love that eureka moment, like you've described it, where, where it's, just, it's an epiphany moment. And even, sure. I, I mean, yeah. I'm the same way, even if I'm, <laughs> if I'm uh, um, competing for last, if I can have some epiphany moments in my game, I've, I've you know, added to that experience that you were, you were, you were reflecting on. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've grown up in a, uh, in a household of, of just boys. So I know about aggressive competition <laughs> when the food comes out, but that's what I love about board games is that there's such a variety that you can focus on something that isn't about, you know, like, like that aggressive competition at the table, that it's more of let's just have a social, pleasant social gaming experience without competition being, you know, the, the primary objective. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think, sure, sure. And I mean, don't get me wrong, competition's fun, but it's it's a way of, you know, of kind of facilitating something else. It We always have to have something to push up against in order for us to feel stimulated, I think. Um, and competition's an, sort of like the easiest way to get to that, you know. Uh, one time in my life, I used to design um, initiatives, I was an experiential therapist, and so I would design things to help sort of people recognize things about themselves, to learn about their capacity and their ability. And we always found that having an objective, having a goal, something that you can externalize, is a good way of getting you outside of your own mind and getting you into the experience so you can be open for that moment of epiphany. And I think a good game takes you out of that, you know, lets you kind of forget your space, forget your flow, you know, the the, the sort of philosophy that some people talk, I can't remember the name, it's a Hungarian guy, um, where he talks about like athletes, you know, when they're really, really in the middle of doing something they do really, really well, they, they get this sort of transcendent experience. And I think a good board game, not to get too philosophical about it or too it's it's a game but it does allow you to have that kind of moment of you know kind of 
you're so present that you're not inside of yourself. So I, I, so, you know, when I'm, when I'm quiet, <laughs> I'm transcending myself <laughs> to thinking about. No. <laughs> He's sharpening up that knife so he could just get it right in the ribs, right by that spinal cord, right in the back. And we're talking about Adam and his treachery in. Uh, oh, we're them again, aren't we? Uh, yeah. It was a TI4. Yeah. I think that was it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so let's, let's, let's segue into um, uh, like, so developing the review. So you've now again, Patrick, are you the type where when you sit down and do an honest review, can you get it, a sense of it in the first game, or do you got to pop in multiple games? Oh, no, no, no. We, we, we review, um, well, for a featured review, we, we have a threshold of five uh, is, is what we usually require for a, uh, now, if it's like a short review, just a, like a first impressions review, one or two will be fine. Um, it's what conjecture requires just so yeah, really yeah, yeah we we all well, but that's just it's just a way that we kind of you know it was just sort of we found that that's what it took for us to sort of identify so many times we got burnt on something right where we're like oh, oh this sounds really cool and then you play it a few more times and you're like oh this is really this is all it has to offer it's got a lot of glitter but no no substance no, you played no splendor too then yeah well i i will say it's still splendor remains in my collection um, notwithstanding the fact that it, you're right, it, it's like it's it's a program like it, it you play the same you just you're going through the motions right in Splendor. But I do keep it because I have in laws and it's my favorite punching bag. I mean, it's it's a it's a cool game. Okay, I don't want to get in trouble. Everybody be like, are oh, you shut up, LePage? Oh, oh Kingdom Kingdom Builders, mine. Like Kingdom Builders, a piece of garbage. Hate that game. Yeah, which is too bad because our good friends at Queen Games, who are now sponsors of of the show I used to be on, I I I. I don't, you know, I don't have a problem with that, but I love Travis. I love the guys at Queen, but I do not like that's that. That's a disclaimer in your contract. <laughs> okay. yeah. Well, that's yeah. interesting that you bring that up because I've, I've often thought about that. Like if you're going to review a game, how many times should you be playing that? And I've heard that come up other times as well. Like should reviewers disclose how many times they've played it? Mm-hmm. Um, is it okay to review a game after one or two plays? It can be. Sure. sure. How many does it take? Yeah, because that was that was the whole form is the the basis when we started was that we said, okay, we're gonna record our thoughts about the game after only playing it one or two times. Yeah, I think that's a fun idea. Yeah, that's where we game conjecture. Yeah, and we kind of we kind of still minus my minus my review of Targi last time because I think I had disclosed that we played it like over like forty some times and (laughs) it was great. It's great, but. Well, I think tr- transparency is important for that, right? I mean, and, and I don't think you are obligated to, but I think if you want to, like, letting your, your, you know, there's value in a review, an instant review of a game. These are my initial thoughts. This is what I think of it, you know, because how many times, how many games do people, do, do board gamers play once or twice? The majority of their collection. Like, that's just the reality, you know? So it's it's not... You know, but if you're clear on that, I think it's okay because it's it's about an experience. All you're recounting is your experience, and you know if you you're clear on that, then I think you it doesn't matter how often you play it or not. You know, it's just for us we tried to get and we don't always hit that. I want to be clear. And again, I don't review games with it anymore. I play all the games that they review once, twice. I play it as many as I want to because I don't have to review it anymore. I just get to have fun. Um, but uh, but you know. That's kind of what we feel it took for us to be able to figure out if there were problems. And more often, 
candidly to figure out if we missed a rule or played something wrong, you know, because we do that sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, how I, dare you do something like that? <laughs> I right, right, Ian. Yeah. I still think I haven't played Hansa Teutonica correctly. <laughs> oh, gosh. I love that game. That's a good game. It's a good game. Yay, I love that game. Norm, don't go that don't go down that rabbit hole, Norm. Oh, we see see, I told you. <laughs> Having two yeah. people that love tangents is a bad thing. Is. We, we, could be, a great we, could, thing. we could be standing in the cornfield and go, how did we get here? I have no idea. <laughs> I see the porch way over there. This episode is proudly supported by Mr. Dice Guy online board game retailer located right here in Saskatoon. Mr. Dice Guy is always stocking the hot new titles, as well as restocking all-time favorites. They even have a ding and dent section for previously played titles. They offer free shipping across Canada on all orders over $200, or free local pickup if you're in the Saskatoon area. Check them out at MrDiceGuy.com. Saskatoon's Mr. Nice Guy is Mr. Dice Guy. This kind of comes back to uh, the Tobago Tobago thing. Um, how does the designer or the uh, publisher support the content, right? Like, do you do you publish a game? Do you review a game that's out of print, or do you re review a game that you know you're never going to see an expansion? But you know, so how do you guys feel about? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's out there in the world. Yeah. I mean, there's films that, that are hard to see, right? There are brilliant, brilliant films that, you know, you may not like be able to get access to some, you know, I can think of any number of things and, and that may not be freely available. They're worth it, it recognizing and acknowledging so that people can seek them out, right? Uh, if it resonates with them. Um, moreover, I think things, criticism has its own value too. I think for me, it's it's um, what's the what's the objective of your review? Is it is it consumerism or is it information? Exactly, exactly. There, there's two there's two different things, and I think you can you can serve both of those masters, right? You can serve a consumer review. This is a product. You if you do you want to buy it? Do you not want to buy it? Like we're letting you know how to spend your money. There's value in that, but there's also value in saying here is a great thing or here is a really interesting thing. It's worth seeking out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. Not not everybody is like us, Norm, where we're junkies, where you hear a great review and we have to go out and find that. Oh. Find find that unicorn that you like always like to say. Oh. You, <laughs> not everybody is like us. Yeah. The <laughs> blue peg, pink peg guys are responsible for a lot of my unicorn Sasquatch hunch, hunts because, holy moly, Volu what was it? Found Veluspa and because uh, of Rob. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. and then Ryan went. Well, where'd you get that? I was like, well, it was on the shelf at stories. Well, I want it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. So there's, there's that idea too. Of, I, I mean, you, you can get someone who's got all the FOMO and go, I need to get this before it's gone. Yeah. Let's talk about structures of the review. So obviously details, right? I mean, that's, that's just, there's just a given. You got to have the, you know, the game title, the, the designer. How far do you go with the details? Do you, do you put graphic artists or like, I, I'm, I love my, my, uh, you know, tool and I love my, you know, there's certain artists that I'll buy the game just because of the artist too. So as far as those relevant details go, um, what's your take on that, Patrick? Well, so, 
I, so I always will describe the designer and the publisher because those, to my mind, are the most in, important pieces of piece of information that I want to convey. For me, mechanics and production are important. And if I tell you who a publisher is, you're going to have a sense from your experience of what the production is going to look like generally. And if I tell you who the designer is, you very often will have a sense of what the design is going to feel like. Now, I will mention an ENO tool or, uh, you know, a uh, I can't think of the name, but like there's several artists that I find have a very unique style. Now, Jeremy always mentions the artist because he's really drawn to the art and he finds that the artist informs his assessment. And we'll always let you know who the artist is on our site. But as far as when our on the podcast part, we don't do that. You know, I've never included the graphic designer, though there are certainly some graphic design looks that I prefer over others. But, you know, it's just not what draws me to a game. For me, the game, if a game is ugly as dirt, just bad looking and put together, OK, but just doesn't look good, but it's got a great design, I'll still buy it. Hands like, of Teutonica. Right. Well, yeah, very good. Oh, gosh, you're right. Exactly. Ugly, ugly game. Just a disgusting. It's repellent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just, yeah, the great game. Beautiful game, you know? Um, so anyways, that's kind of my take. I, what I value is what I'll focus on. Even going to, going back to the movie well, like you don't go to somebody and say, oh yeah, I saw this great movie that was edited by Thelma Schoonmaker. <laughs> you say, no, this is a great movie by Martin Scorsese. And then if, Later on, if you're talking about it further and the editing is really good, you'll probably mention the editor, right? But it's not like you introduce introduce it with with the editor or the cinematographer because most people don't know what you're talking about. Which is not to undervalue those at all, but what's informative? Exactly. But, yeah. Where do you? Nobody's where do you... gonna. Most people aren't gonna know who those people are. Yeah. Except for like the you know eventually they'll there are some that have that certain prominence, but. Then okay. in the main review, you can point them out if if the work is really good, right? You can say, by the way, this art is incredible, and let's take a look at who the artist is. Oh, it's Jane Goodale, or I don't know why I picked Jane Goodale as That's my like, example. She draws gorillas. <laughs> um, uh, so, okay, well, let's, from the introduction, done, moving into, like, the summary of the content. Um, back in this description... I like that one that one sentence where it said uh, uh, it's it's also a commentary but not merely a summary. So how how much do you summarize? Where do you draw the line on 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 the description of the game and get into the conclusion or your opinions of the game? So I mean, Patrick, what, like you've honed this down with your thirty reviews. So where's yeah yeah. So in our in what we so it's interesting in the life of our review. That's the one area where in which my review is review philosophy has changed the most. I used to give a big, pretty involved sort of breakdown of the mechanics. Cause for me, understanding the mechanics is what I wanted to know about a game, right? Like very often as a buyer, a consumer, I don't much care about the review. I just want to know what's the game like, and then I'll decide for myself if I want to buy it. Right. And I realized that that's I'm I'm sui generis in that like that's not the, the way most people think about reviews. So what we do now I've gotten three minutes enough to give context so that the review has meaning and then I can drill into the spe specific mechanics that are unique or that are innovative or that are especially 
elegant or whatever they may be. But to give a full kind of breakdown of the mechanics, we we get it down to three minutes, a basic three minute summary of the the and this is for a deep dive, of course, um, of kind of what the core things is. So when we talk about it afterwards, you understand kind of you have a frame of reference to work from, so you can understand our our conversation. That's really all we do at this point. Giving and you can talk about a specific mechanic within the game because that's what the game's all about. But you know, as far as just breaking down all the rules, it's not necessary. It, it, a review doesn't need that. Cool. Let's stick on this point a little bit because. I feel like this is an area where the board game reviewing, uh, you know, milieu in general has problems with. Because I think that there are many, many reviewers that go into the rules way too deeply. And it's almost like there's a mix up between a rules explanation and a review. Mm-hmm. And I think that board games really mash those two together. And I don't know that we're as concise as can be right because i'm actually the opposite of you patrick i don't actually want to go through every the way the game works i want to get a basic idea of what people think of the game and then get a general consensus and if people are really liking it and if i'm kind of you know if i'm liking what i'm seeing i don't need to know the way the game works before i'll get it because that's i actually like the discovery after i get the game of then getting into how the game works Sure. sure I just approach it differently, I guess. Yeah, well... Th- I like to find reviews that are more concise in the rules and mm-hmm. uh, delve a little bit deeper into why they like or don't like the game. Yeah. Well, as a reviewer, I've certainly... That's where I've grown. I don't go into the reviews very much, except unless we're talking about, like, this is really, really neat, and here's why it's really, really neat and why I really enjoy that. But, yeah, we talk about, do you like, what do you like, what don't you like, you know? And, I mean... It's an area where I still sort of as a reviewer have to keep myself uh, constrained. Because think about it this way. If I read a great book review, movie review, you know what those don't include? The plot. They tell me the basic setting off point, sort of a couple of bing, bang, boom, you know, uh, and then they tell me all about everything else that makes it so rich and the performances and everything. And I think a good review for a board game does the same thing don't tell me how the game's played tell me how the game is experienced what makes the game unique what makes the game engaging you know why are you drawn into your yeah. gameplay for me that's the big connection yeah when i when i discover a reviewer that that talks to me um yeah when if they can give me some experience then i can either go i will like that or i won't mm-hmm. like that and i and i'm pre- it's pretty clear for me mm-hmm. um you know my decision after i listen to the review cool right um uh let's uh let's let's transition into like tips if uh if you were to give patrick of the beginning reviewer some tips as to what you've learned about reviewing what would you give what would you give past patrick well i would give present patrick the same tips to be honest with you um and that is is focus on experience rob does a really good job as a partner in my reviewing of saying but was it fun he always brings us back to that. You may hear him say that a lot. And he does a good job of keeping a review focused upon the experience. How did it feel? How did it make you feel? And why did it make you feel that way? You know, I always think it's good to focus upon your 
feelings. And when I play a game and make notes, I very rarely make notes. But when I make notes for review, what I write, will I, I will make a note about is I really liked how that decision, like the feeling of breaking that decision out or the feeling of choosing between those two things. Like I love the way the tension of that choice like I really focus upon my emotional response and I try to review a game from a point of view of what does it create for me as an audience. So that's the advice I would always give is think about emotions and review a game from that point of view. How does it make you feel? Cool. That's awesome. Um, uh, Ian, Ryan? No, I think that's kind of like where I'm started to go to. Whereas like, um, I know, I know my nuts and like when we talk about our format, when we talk about the nuts and bolts, I get pretty damn detailed at times and I can see Ian's eyes kind of light up. He looks <laughs> at the page, he looks at the page, he goes, oh boy, we're here for a while. We're going to be here for a while. I'm going to go get some, I'm going to go get some water. It's the lecture like series. Yeah. yeah. So I'm starting to condense that piece down so that, yes, I can bring out, we can spend more time about what am I, I what am I actually, what am I actually thinking about? This is what, this is what's come, comes to mind. This is what people should be thinking about when, when you're getting into that first, first two plays or something like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm starting to start getting that pipe piece down, even though you listen to my Maracaibo review and I, got, I went on, I went on and on and but on. I mean, like anything else, it's, it's a skill that you hone, right? I mean, mm -hmm. just like a, like a musician who will sit down with his guitar and play or a writer who will just keep putting word to paper until something ha like it, you, you got to hone it. So um, I think I'm the same with Ryan that I'm, I started out being very descriptive of the elements of the game and, and, and the, you know, the, 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 the physicalness. And then I think Patrick, I've, I've transitioned to more of what you've talked about is, this game makes me feel this way and here's why. And I think to me that is more like the emotional narrative is, is what you hold in your memory a lot longer than, you know, did I win that game or did I lose that game? But I can tell you how I felt during that game and, and the moments that made me feel. So, so to me, I think I'm starting to, to fall more into this experiential side rather than a, the descriptive kind of, Vulcan <laughs> logical, you know, and you, can Excel listen to some of, you can listen to some of our top game experiences on one of our pre and our one of our previous episodes. Oh, right, there's a little, there's a little plug. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Experience is important. Now, I will say a reviewer that I really admire is Efka of no pun included, because he is able to break down the experience of a game very well. It's, it's deeply intellectual. His, his reviews are incredible like very well crafted he spends weeks and weeks upon putting them together and it shows and 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 he he brings a lot of intellectual rigor to bear in doing it but really what his reviews about is why does it make me feel this way and he'll talk about it in a way that is so eloquent and so just right on the point but he always focuses upon the feeling it's just brilliant i like how they both camouflage that deep intellectual experience that you described, how they both camouflage it with some comedy. Oh yeah. They, they, they have a great wry sense about them. I mean, I've always said that, you know, everybody's a, 
five times funnier when they have that type of accent. Uh, these 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 guys with these British accents get away with you know yeah we're all we're all trained by I guess maybe our Monty Python you know I don't know what it is but we're all conditioned if somebody says something in a British accent it just it just works. I'm running the parrot <laughs> sketch in my head right now. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah so. Uh, I'm just looking at the clock here and uh, we've, we're probably winding way past our regular hour, but I'm having so much fun. Patrick, you started us off on, uh, on uh, current people that you, that you um, go to. Um, do you want to add another one on that? Well, I like, um, yeah. I mean, as far as reviewers that I admire, you know, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Stephen Conway uh, of the spiel. Um, I think he has got a really great, he's very methodological about his review. I know him personally. I went to college with him and he was a, a literary critic. Uh, he was a dramaturge at my school and, uh, and director. And so he has a finely honed uh, critical mind. And I really love his, his style of, uh, of approaching uh, various sort of reviews. He's probably got, he, he taught me, I modeled my, my review style after him very much so. Like I didn't know about No Pun Included when I started reviewing, but I did know about Steven and his work is probably the most influential upon my own. I've consumed a lot of his podcasts, The Spiel of Approval. Yep, yep. The major fun stuff. He's good. He's very good. Um, uh, and, and there's, there's no, there's no bravado at all. Like you said, yeah, he's very succinct and yeah. His interviews are great too. He used to do a lot more of them earlier in, in, when, in, you know, earlier in his, uh, time, but he has some great interviews. Ryan, do you, uh, do you got, do you have somebody you go to? Um, so some of the ones that I really kind of go to, like if we're talking about like the YouTube content and everything, um, John from John gets games kind of like really kind of has a, has a, has a neat like presentation for, for when he does his, uh, when he does his review topics and everything like that. And it's the very, it's the very, it's always like straight to the point, concise things. And he always has to, he always has the evaluative of there's a positive, there's the neutral, and then there's the negative from his, from his point. And I always liked, I always like that. You never hear about like the neutral piece of everything. These are always the things that I really like. These are the reasons things that I don't like. These are the things that I, Oh, I never ever thought about like, oh, these are the things that could go either way for me, something like that. So, um, yeah, John gets games always get, uh, I always pay attention to if, uh, one of his reviews pops up on my, on my feed, I always kind of pay attention to what he's going on and then kind of like back to like our creator, uh, um, uh, the creators of influence or influences on creators. I don't know what we, how we even said it, everything like that, but, uh, Chris and Don from the secret cabal, I always pay attention to what they're talking about. They seem to speak my language. Like when you said like here, and then like Patrick, when you were on the show, you were always one of the ones that I always kind of paid attention to. Cause we always kind of liked, we liked the same types of games. Yeah. So yeah. when you were talking about something, I always got just like with Chris and Don and the secret cabal, you guys all kind of meant, you always mentioned the games. And I was like, and I would go and do the research. I'm like, yeah, that that's a game that, that, that I would that probably I would enjoy well so it's interesting from a point of view of like you know because Chris is a friend of mine and and whenever we get together I'm always like what are we gonna play bud like I I, I like if he wants to put it on the table I'm into it you know I've rarely so oh yeah completely like it, it, there's been I can think of one game that he is he's recommended to me that I didn't love um and that's of all time I've known him for years um so yeah like his 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 sensibility, his tasting games is like right, like 
simpatico with my own. So I share that as well. Um, uh, in the notes, I, uh, I made reference to like either your go-to um, reviewer or my favorite approach. And I, and I like to think of it as uh, like a home renovation is, well, you got a plumbing guy and you've got a finishing carpentry guy and you got, so for me, it's all about the, like for blue paint, pink paint, uh, um, I love you guys because as I mentioned before, the consensus, right? You got, I, I'm able to, once you guys get through an episode, I'm able to get a good swath of what's out there in because i know christina is going to talk about tile laying games <laughs> right and rob's going to talk about uh, and this is the part that uh, that fears me the most just because of what i've listened to is um is this correct never play a social deduction game with rob that's true don't do it don't do it it'll it'll be a interesting experience you should do it just once though <laughs> no I, he's 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 really good at him and uh and he's, but he's very rigorous about that. Yeah, he, I've he heard that. I, I think I've interpreted it as you could, it's sort of like board game shell shock. If you, yeah, it, it can be rough. It can be, it, he, he'll put you through the ringer, but it's fun. It's fun. He's got a good, yeah. Uh, but yeah, for me, um, if I go to like, uh, um, if, I, if I'm in the mood to do some research on a heavy game, I love going to heavy cardboard because mm -hmm. um, Edward um, has, has, I think he's done this long enough now where he's got himself a good groove. And I think like Ryan uh, uh, mentioned with Dice Tower that they get enough games that they have to go through that if something pops on their radar, there's a significance. And I feel that same way about um, uh, Heavy Cardboard that he's now uh, um, a really good filter for that yep, yep. genre of game for me. So um, again, I'm not a big 18xx guy, but... I got Irish Gage, right? And I've got Ride the Rails, right? And uh, that would have not happened had I not, you know, watched him do this cube rail things. And I thought, oh man, 18XX is so intimidating. And then realized, well, not really. No. Yeah. So. Oh, I guess I'll throw one out because we did a whole show on this, but I'll throw one out I haven't talked about. And so I listen to them every once in a while. Garrett's Games and Geekiness with uh, Doug and Shelley. They're very oh, yeah. laid back and I kind of, I kind of like their vibe. Like they're, they just kind of like, yeah, I like this game and this is why. And, and they're, yeah, they don't, they don't get, uh, you know, too hyped up about anything. They don't get angry with anything. They're just kind of. They ooze their Californianness. Yeah. <laughs> back, they have some wine. They tell you about games. If you've got the shtick that I like to do all the time, if you've made it this far, you made it to the end of the episode, and we are very thankful that you had that much patience with us, and uh, very thankful to Patrick. Anything you sure. want to say on your uh, on your on the end tail end of this? No, I've got nothing to promote. Uh, I mean, you can listen to Borg, Blue Peg, Pink Peg. I don't care. Uh, no, I do care. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, absolutely. Blue Peg, Pink Peg is. I'm, I'm still a part of the show, and it's a great show. Uh, you know, we 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 uh, really are glad that you guys are are uh, to to support you guys. You're gr a great great podcast. Um, a great gr group of guys. Next time that we're 
find ourselves in the same place. I hope that we can get together and play some games because we would love to hang out with you guys. Um, so anyways, but we're not but, wearing hazmat suits when we're hanging yes, out. Yes. Well, hopefully, you know, sometime in some point in the future, uh, you know, I, I will not have to travel to visit with you guys inside of a hockey bag. Uh, but, uh, but I, I would love to, uh, to get together. Uh, you guys are doing great work and, uh, keep up the exceptional work they're doing. We're really, really glad of what you guys contribute, uh, to the community and, uh, and just your thoughtfulness about approaching games and sort of your, your perspectives are really unique, I think, and you have something interesting to say. And, uh, and I hope you guys, I wish you guys the very best of luck, but yeah, no, I'm just playing games for fun and, uh, it's awesome. It is. I, I love it. My instinct in, the, in that whole part, when you're describing, I, I, I couldn't take a compliment. Uh, my instinct was just to say, sorry. <laughs> well, that's the Canadian in you. Uh, but uh, Ooh, we hide it. We hide it well. Yeah. yeah. But you guys are great. You guys really do a great show. And uh, and I'm looking forward to great things ahead for you guys. I think you've got great stuff coming out of you. Yeah, I'm, thank you. I've I've been your host, Norm. Oh, I've been Ryan. Sorry. I, I, I'm Ian. I, <laughs> and we've had the pleasure of having Patrick on our episodes. And we'll catch you later. Right. Bye. Bye. This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek Guild number 3039. Thank you.